Welcome to Sarasvati Sisters Podcast. We're here to lift your spirits, create connections, and share the wisdom of some really awesome people. With their help, we'll be offering up little bits of knowledge on a variety of topics to awaken your whole being. I'm Kathy. And I'm Jenny, and we're so excited to be here with you today. Today, we welcome our good friend and amazing yoga teacher, Lucy Feaster, to the podcast. Lucy is a Bergen County native and yoga teacher who's been helping transform lives through physical fitness all her life. For the last 12 years, she's been teaching yoga and training so many people to become yoga teachers. She is the head of the yoga department at Lifetime Fitness in Montvale and most recently launched a 300-hour teacher training to take current yoga teachers deeper into their practice. I've had the privilege of working alongside Lucy for the last six years, teaching classes and trainings with her, and we are so excited to chat with her today. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Lucy. Oh, what an honor. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, you are our, you know, you are our teacher and we love you and you have so much awesome knowledge in that brain of yours. Um, so we wanted to talk to you about some things specifically, but we really, to, before we get to all of that, um, I thought it'd be fun to kind of just tell everybody like how our journey together began, how we, how, how we all met and kind of like, maybe, maybe Lucy, you could start with like how your journey into yoga began and then like how we've all kind of come together. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so my journey actually began, um, God, I think about 13 years ago, um, I was always a gym rat, uh, I was looking for the next craze. And at the time, um, I was thinking about going to school for continuing education. I'm going to go for my master's program. So, um, I was subbing at the time and two of the teachers that I was working with said, Hey, uh, you want to go to a yoga class? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just not my thing. And they're like, come on, let's go. So PS ended up um, on a yoga mat uh, in, at my teacher's studio, Jaluka in Hillsdale. And um, at the end of class, they owned. And I was so freaked out. Um, I started to say the Hail Mary in my head. I was like, what is this? Hmm. This is crazy. Um, rolled up my mat, never thinking I would ever go back. Uh, but something happened. I couldn't stop thinking about the class. And I went back. And then I went back again and again. And that was history. Um, I am not going to lie. I was there for the physical practice at first. Um, I decided to go for my teacher training uh, with Jaluka at Jaluka with Mandy Grant, whom I love and adore to this day. And... Uh, I graduated my teacher training program, and shortly after my graduation, uh, my dad passed away. Uh, I was blessed to be in the room with him when he took his last breath, but it wasn't until then that I realized what yoga was all about, because it wasn't a triangle, and it wasn't a crow, and it wasn't a headstand that was going to get me through the next moment, but it was my breath. And I did not return to my mat for a few months after that. 
but I did find a meditation practice. I found myself clinging to each and every breath, uh, leaning into it a bit more. Um, so that's where my yoga journey um, began. And yeah, if um, it really wasn't for my dad, I don't think I would have gotten the magnitude of the breath and the relationship between the mind, body, and soul so quickly. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, incredible because uh, meeting you, um, you know, I, I had been in search for my yoga path and yoga had been a part of my life for quite a few years before I met Lucy. And I was in search of my teacher training uh, place to reside, like to choose. And um, I remember taking my first class at Lifetime with Lucy and I walked out of there knowing 1000% that this was where I was supposed to be and to do my training because of the journey having been first to the physical for me as well um, and that attraction and addiction to it. And then bit by bit, I found little pieces of the philosophy and the history and the, the other part of the potent part of the practice and having sat in your class that day, you delivered the entire experience. I felt physically, emotionally, and spiritually touched, moved. And at the end of the class, I remember you saying that you were hosting an open house for a teacher training. And I thought, wow, the universe just led me home. Hmm. Hmm. I have chills from both of you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for sharing your story and your light because you really are changing lives. Yeah, Lucy, I mean, honestly, like I, um, I had a yoga practice. I had done a training. I was teaching um, before I met you. And um, I, I love our story because literally, if, if you literally just hired me and gave me a chance with just like a, a brief conversation and like a look, right? I like, like I knew that I wanted to um, teach at Lifetime. Um, it opened in November-ish and like around January or February. Um, I like literally figured out who you were, Lucy, through somebody else on social media. And I had them like make a connection and you were like, yeah, come in and take a class. And I showed up in, at, I don't know what it was, a weekend morning class or something. And I made, I made a point to go up to you before class. And you're like, great, we'll talk after. And you remember what I said? Like, it was just, the class was beautiful. And fan everything you just said, Kathy, like, mm -hmm. it was like coming home. It was just, my body was wrung out and my mind was wrung out. And I let, you know, I walked out of that room on a high and you're like, come on, let's go into the office and talk. 
I think we like talked about our lives. I have three boys and you have three boys. And we talked about yoga briefly. And then you're like, okay, you're hired. <laughs> oh, no, you were like, let's show me if you, I was like, do you want Wait, to see you said, Yeah, you said, um, yeah, you were in boots. I will never yeah. forget. You were in boots. <laughs> you had leggings on. You threw a sweater over you. And you said, I said, okay, you're hired. Um, and you said, well, don't you want to see me teach? And I said, <laughs> Okay, sure, you could show me a Sunday. But I think it goes back to really what is the definition of yoga. And um, my definition, and I think unanimously in what you can read in the books, you can you can hear the word yoke, you can hear the word unite, uh, you could hear yoga chitta vritti narodaha. Uh, in my opinion, it's about relationship. Hmm. And we were able to cultivate that relationship right from the get-go without really knowing each other. And if you could do that with me, I could do that with you. There's no way you can't do that with 50 other students in a room. And then just hearing your background and the knowledge, it was a no-brainer. And it was a relationship that started that day and has never stopped. It just got stronger and stronger and blossomed. Um, So I am forever grateful. Um, not only that we are able to work together, that co-lead teacher trainings together, you are now my friend, um, who I consider my family. I think that there's something really special about, I, I think it's something about yoga. Like you just said, it's like relationship, right? Like when you, and when you start a teacher training, a lot of the times, like we will like, you know, we've all kind of been in trainings together. We all lead stuff together. You never start a teacher training and ask people like, what's your job? What do you, how many, you know, how many kids do you have? Where do you live? Where'd you grow up? It's always like this subtle entrance into each other's lives where it's not about all of the labels that we associate with ourselves. It's, it's more about, um, who we truly are from that like deep place. And I, I, with both of you, I just feel like this, uh, the connection, you know, and not just the three of us, like all of us that have kind of come together and created this, like just growing community of, of love. Yeah. It, it starts from just not even seeing each other physically, if that makes sense. Sure. I think it's a gift of, um, there's just a natural ability of holding sacred space that's non-judgmental and just really opening. There's a sense of compassion and empathy, unspoken. It's like a silent uh, energy that just emanates around uh, all of us, that connection. And you, it's very inviting. I agree when you you start a teacher training, um, when that element is lined up and, and it's in in it's uh, wrapped around the teacher training and it so often is with you guys, each other, myself, all of us together. Um, It just creates a unique experience for people to come in and just peel away the layers and reveal who they really are. I think we find ourselves, sometimes we don't even come in knowing the answers, but we always kind of leave understanding more. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I I think you're 100% right, Kathy. You nailed it. Uh, You know, I heard once that there will be at one point an algorithm 
that will come up with the perfect sequence or the perfect mm -hmm. physical practice that touches every nook and cranny of your body. But there will never be an algorithm that will replace the relationship part of class and the ability to hold that space and make a connection and form a relationship and mm. and hold that space for somebody that may that may need it. So beautiful. Yeah. And there's an authenticity that comes with that. And it's, you know, oftentimes like we talk about like being in the practice and leaving the class feeling like we've released or we opened up or discovered or we feel this this high, this great energy. And I think it's, you know, the, the teachers that, you know, we're blessed to be with are people who, who come from a place that they've walked. It's an authentic place, you know, like you said, how your father led you to find that breath and the importance of holding on to it. And then you take that and you bring that into your practice when you're guiding people. And, and even though we're on the mat by ourselves, we're, we never feel unheld. And that's like a gift. That's a, mm. a gift that you have like a dharma almost to, to go into our next real conversation about, um, you know, we hear a lot about dharma and I believe you are living yours in every way, shape and form. Um, and we'd love to hear more about, you know, what dharma is to you and how, how we can better understand it and maybe even understand and discover our own. For those yeah. who don't. So, so for, for many yogis, and if there's a, a lot of yogis listening, you'll, you'll know the word dharma. Oh, what was your dharma in class? What's your dharma going to be tomorrow or next week for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Labor Day? Um, in that respect, dharma is just the conversation of a message you want to get across within that time frame of a class. I believe the question you're asking me is what is dharma? Um, in the sense of can you live your life around your dharma and it's really the blueprint of your soul and what you're passionate about um but without confusing your gift for your purpose right so i believe that yeah at this moment right now my gift is the ability to put together pretty good sequences i hope to god uh to be able to put a playlist together and and go out there and guide a 60 minute class. That's, that's maybe a gift, but, but my Dharma is connection. And my Dharma mm -hmm. is about the relationship and the connection with the students and the holding of the space uh, and being a servant, a servant minded individual. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times there's obstacles preventing us um, from experience what our Dharma is. And that's the unfortunate part. So that's, that's interesting because I'm just, I just want to take a step back for a second. So it's almost like Dharma is not like your job. It's not what you, it's not like what you do. It could be, I guess it could be, but it's not like, okay, my Dharma is, um, and you know, working in public relations or it's more of like, I don't know. Help me help me understand that a little bit more or help the, everybody listening kind of understand a little bit more. And and can you have more than one? And how, I don't know, like how does that integrate into your life? Sure. So, you know, Kobe Bryant, what a tragedy, right? God, yeah. such a young age that he passed away. His gift was clearly playing basketball. But do you think that was his dharma? Um, what that man did 
and the amount of people he touched, not just on the court. His success in the court gave him the ability to touch so many more lives. Um, so that could be an example of Dharma. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, you know um, it's just finding your purpose, finding what, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And a lot of times we go to our jobs because the reality of life sometimes is that we have bills to pay and we have mouths to feed and we have children to send to colleges and buy cars for. Um, so going back to what I had said earlier, there's the obstacles that sometimes prevent us from mm. experience our dharma and that's doubt and fear, which causes this inaction. Um, Jenny, one of the things you'd said is give me an example. So Michael J. Fox, right? Um, he, he, he used, I believe there was a story I heard. He used his like last 25 cents at the time. I guess that's how much it was in his pocket. And it was either to buy his bus ticket home or make a call to his agent, make a call to a cold call that somebody had given him to go audition for at the time it was family ties. Um, he had been sleeping um, out on couches at friends' houses. He wanted to act. He knew in his heart of hearts, you see those starving actors and actresses, their dharma is to act. At some point, he got that job, which Family Ties made history for him. He went on to make many other movies. He's no longer acting, or maybe he is, but look how many lives he has touched because of what he started with the disease he got, right? right. So um, I think, yeah. It's like almost it, like sometimes like your dharma reveals itself in time. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to say like people listening, like don't be, don't be like, don't feel bad or don't be upset if like you're like, shit, I don't know what my dharma is or, you know, like, because it doesn't always, it's not always so clear. No, it's not. And you can also look, um, your difficulties in life can also become your dharma. You, you hear of stories who parents lose their children to some, to some sick, rare cancer, and then they start this, um, they start this fund or, or spearhead something or drunk drivers. And then they end up going to these schools and becoming advocates. Um, it, it can reveal now your dharma. Right. I, I've heard that I heard this quote before. It's better to fail at your dharma than to succeed at somebody else's. Um, yeah. Well, that's then, like that whole thing, like, yeah. you know, finding out who you are and then going for it with all of your heart. And then, you know. Right. So there's four. Yeah, it, it's great. There's four pillars to dharma and how to live your life. And it's first, trust your intuition. And I say that your gut, you know, your gut is like your brain. Trust it. Um, and then once you do go full out, what are you willing to give up um, to get to this point? And somehow when the universe knows you're not shitting them, when the universe knows that you 100% want this, because the universe will put obstacles in your way. Mm. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we all say this is what we want? And the mm. universe said, okay, that's great. You know, uh, it, it, you will... 
You will fail. You will fail. But are you willing to get up again and again and again and again and again? And maybe it's that thousand time that the universe goes, wow, they really or she or he really wants this. And then what happens? It goes behind you and supports you. Um, the third pillar of Dharma is don't attach to the fruit. You know, um, a lot of times we go out there and we say, you know, the sparkly things mean so much to us. Um, you're not going to make your millions. Uh, maybe you'll never make your millions. Don't attach to the fruits. Um, right. And then lastly, it's surrender and trust. Trust and have faith. Mm -hmm. It's like once you're aligned with, once you're aligned with what that is, you know it, you feel it, right? There's like a buzz in your body. I, yeah. I, you know, we could talk about it. Like, I, I really, truly believe like, you know, just sharing the gift of yoga like creates this buzz in, in, in my body, in our bodies. Right. And you know it. And so it's like not learning to trust that piece of it and not hold any weight on the outcome. Cause it'll, it'll, it'll be what it is based on like how you are aligned with it. Yeah. Bringing forth your Dharma. I say this all the time. I tell my kids, Bringing forth your dharma will save you and suppressing it will kill you. You hear mm -hmm. so much of midlife crises. Uh, I don't know. Is it crises? Crisis? Crises? 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 You hear so mm -hmm. much about that. Um, and then you say, why? Why is there a midlife crisis? Well, if we actually go back and we, and we look, did somebody ever want to be that doctor? Did they want to be that lawyer? Or was that something that was programmed in them for the longest time? So if we can start or teach children, my, my, my goal is to teach young, young students, um, open your heart, let go, be present, and then everything else falls into place. Mm, I love that. It's like that. We just had a conversation. I just had a conversation about this before, like just not living in the story that was set forth for you. Like, right? Because like we all have done it. I just, it, it, I don't know if you guys have started to read Untamed yet by Glennon Doyle. I keep referring to her because oh, this book just is fantastic. But she talks about how every generation has a story that comes along with them. So depending on when you were born, your story is already kind of set, right? For us, when it was, you know, there was like, for like the older generation, it was like, okay, women get married and they have kids and they have this perfect life and they, you know, maybe they have a job or maybe this. And it's like, until you recognize that that story is not yours, it's just the past that's like feeding uh -huh. into you, you, you can't break free, right? You have to right. learn how to discern. Maybe that is what you want and that's great right. and that's fine, but like it doesn't have to, the shoulds and the coulds, yeah, they're like dirty words. The, sh the word should should be a dirty word, I think. Yeah. And funny little side note, um, when I had graduated college, I went to Marist College and when I graduated, I worked for Sony, which is actually right next door to the, where Lifetime is right now. And I was in, I was a liaison between the programmers and the users. And I would travel across the country and, and teach people how to use the programs that they needed, whatever level that they were. And then after I had my children, I decided to go back. And that's when I was going to go for education. I was a, a substitute teacher. 
and found the path of yoga and, and did teacher training. And then after I did teacher training and I started to, to work as a yoga teacher, somebody said, God, you went to college and this is what you're doing. And I went, really? Wow. Uh, really? That's what they're saying to me. And had I not pursued that, had I not pursued what I knew in my heart of hearts is what I wanted to do. Uh, they said, you know, you should be working with your husband and the dry cleaners at the time when my dad passed away, my husband took over the dry cleaners. Had I done that, I wouldn't have a job right now because the dry, we sold the dry cleaners, but it was because of my passion for, I think, teaching that teaching. I knew was my Dharma to serve and spread some kind of awareness or news or whatever you want to say. Yeah, it sounds that like landed me my job at Lifetime. I was able to dive deeper into uh, to teaching two hundred hours, and and now being fortunate enough to be able to teach a three hundred hour, uh, where I learned mostly um, about my own dharma. I learned about myself that no, maybe yoga is not my dharma, the teaching itself, but it's just being a servant to humans. Yeah, it sounds like you chose teaching through every level, every stage, um, and you stuck with that passion for teaching, even, you know, Sony and software and travel and, and expanding. It's like uh, your teachings were meant to connect people and connect them to each other, to themselves. And I think as sounds like as you uncovered your yoga practice, it delivered to you your dharma that you had been living your whole time because you were staying true to your passion. And it looked at all different forms until you actually like really was able to label it as your dharma, but you were, sounds as though like you were continually just living the passion that, that burned inside of you. And that was to teach. Hmm. And oh, and, and I, I screwed up a lot of times. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I will ever, I will forever be a lifelong learner. And I think it was, um, it was during my 300 hour that I was given an assignment and I encourage everybody to do this assignment. And the two of you guys helped me out greatly with it. Um, it's just really saying and asking your closest, closest friends, uh, relatives, whomever it is that could be real and raw with you. Hey, what do you think my Dharma is? And what are the things that I do to keep myself from achieving that? And it reveals so much. And I think I have grown more in, in that one little um, assignment, having interviewed my closest friends. The things that got in my way, oh, blow my, blew my mind. I was my own worst enemy. And once I was able to eradicate or at least try to help myself, uh, if you will, I was able to grow even more. Hmm. I mean, that's not easy. It's not easy listening to feedback from, no. from yeah. anyone. Yeah. So, it, you know, you have to be willing to, to take feedback from, with an open heart and an understanding that, like, what that feedback is going to do is take you closer and build, you know, towards that space of true dharma. Yeah. And guess what? That feedback is ultimately helping an individual grow. I remember I asked Kathy, 
um, hey, I asked Jenny, and Jenny's like, all right, great. I'm like, God, she must have a laundry list of things I'm doing really shitty. Um, and, th- and then I asked Kathy, I said, Kathy, will you do this? And Kathy's, you're giggling because you're like, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you mean, I have to tell you what I think is you're, you're doing wrong and how you get in your own way. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I promise I won't say a word. There you go. There's the difference between Kathy and I summed up in one minute. I'm like, Bleh. let me right. just spit it all out. And she's like, what? <laughs> I you know it was really it. funny because when you both did it it was really funny because when you both did it you know I I just really looked at both of you and said thank you so much and god I have so much more to learn about myself uh and that feedback has helped if it wasn't for that feedback um I would not grow right we we give feedback to our children don't run in the road don't do this because we love them and I entrusted two people that mean the most to me, um, you two, including other yoga teachers that I asked, my husband, my children. And it's really cool because you see similarities yeah. um, throughout, throughout the whole entire thing. Uh, and every single person that I ask, what do you think my dharma is? I don't think, not, I don't think one person said, oh, your dharma is being a yoga teacher. It was your dharma is just being around people and loving them and serving them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. But And there was also a laundry list of things that I did to get in my own way in, in my head. You know what? Like, it, it's just as hard as it is to give that or to receive that feedback sometimes. It's equally as hard to give it. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so much, um, like, riding on it right you want to be truthful and you want to be sincere and you want to be honest and you don't want to hurt anybody's feel you know you need to come from a place of love so it's almost like intimidating to then have to give feedback to someone else about it you guys feel that way yeah it's also really scary you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings sure and you really I mean there's also that element of you know sometimes life is a mirror image. So when you're going to have that conversation, it's like you really have maybe look at yourself too and where it's coming from. And um, do you have similarities? Is that something you see in yourself that you see in somebody else? Do you recognize it because it's something you're working on? And then you have to like uh, almost take ownership of it in your own life if that's the case. There's a, I mean, I think there's a lot of layers to that feedback that helps not only the person receiving it, but the person giving it. And I think um, it's a gift both ways. And I think it just strengthens relationships with the self and with each other. Because it comes from a place of love. No, that's okay. Because it comes from a place of love and, and it takes, you know, a real love and an open heart to be able to give and receive like that. Yeah, yeah totally. And and honestly, it's all about the Q-tip, right? We I say it all the time, quit taking it personally. I'm not doing this to you guys didn't do give me my my uh what I what I could do better or what am I doing to get in my stand in my own way. You didn't tell me that to hurt my feelings. You told me that because there was ultimate love behind it and you wanted to see me grow and succeed. Right. Um, exactly. And then, and then it's, and then really the power's in the receiver. No matter what, 
you can give all the feedback you want. The power is in the receiver. I can say, great, this is great. Take all the notes, close the book um, and, and go on with my life. Or I can really reflect and meditate on it and be like, wow, I really do get in my way. And if, if I just tweak a couple of things here and there, what would happen mm -hmm. and what may shift? And what are the possibilities that can evolve from this? Yeah. It's what so powerful and so simple. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how growth happens. And it's well, yeah, a powerful thing. I, I think, yeah, and, and I think the whole thing is a practice purposefully. It's not to perfect the individual. There's just a purpose behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And I right. also think too, there's like that space where you, you uh, receive the feedback and like you said, you, you sit on it, you marinate with it, you take from it what resonates and, um, and you, you look at it in ways like, well, okay, let me test this theory out and, and try it out and see how it feels. It may feel right. It may feel wrong. It might, you know, might not be easy or a quick thing or, you know, it might take time, but regardless the, the point of it is that you're putting the effort and the work and the focus internally and inward, and you're only making yourself grow. And it keeps the focus internal and keep prevents it from going outside for, for validation, right? So I think it's mm. another way of just keeping us focused on our own true experience on our own personal journey in life. Yeah. I have to say, you know, I think, you know, we have kind of grown up together in the last six years or whatever mm -hmm. of like our, our, our lives, right? Really. I feel like I've done so much growing up and I owe a lot of that to feedback. Um, you know, as yoga teachers, we have this, a beautiful practice of providing feedback to each other when we take each other's classes. And, you know, that can sometimes be technical related to the class, but you know, it's, it has always helped me in my practice of, of giving a class, which isn't just like putting someone in a pose. It's given me this opportunity to really pause and look and think and, and just be better aware of how, how I show up or how we show up in life, both like as a teacher, as a friend, you know, and like taking this feedback idea um, and maybe, you know, we can, we could just, Lucy, maybe before we, we wrap up today, like just kind of give our listeners like a couple of like, here's how you give feedback. Like start with just your, your husband or wife or partner or, you know, whatever relationship that you're in right now that's super close. Like how can we, how can you implement this, this idea of giving feedback and receiving feedback in our lives in one way or another. Maybe it's to find Dharma, but maybe it's just to be a better, um, to be more open. I don't want to say better. I say better. No. But I don't really... Listen, and no matter what we do, we're never going to learn even about ourselves if we sit and we're comfortable. So feedback makes us first and foremost, like you said earlier, uncomfortable. But the truth is lifelong learning is really a mindset of possibility. And it's built on the idea that we can grow we can grow as a teacher if it's yoga. We can grow as a mom, a dad, or as a husband or wife if we simply show up and be ready to learn each and every day. Mm -hmm. And we and we can, but
But the true growth happens when we put the work in, when we get the feedback. Yeah. Um, and it, it requires us to acknowledge that we don't know everything. And you said it this morning, Jenny, you taught such an amazing class and we don't know everything. So if I'm not giving the feedback to my husband or my friend or whatever, hey, I, I didn't really appreciate what you said or hey, next time can you do that? Or Jenny, I would have preferred this. Maybe there's something else behind the whys of what you did. So I think feedback is really um, such a gift and I don't think there's any right or way, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it, but I think creating a sacred space uh, I wouldn't do feedback like, hey, Jenny, that class was blah, blah, blah. And as I'm walking out the door, I, I want to have your fullest attention, my fullest attention. Um, it's a, a sacred thing between two people. Um, right. I, you know, I, it's funny. I've, I've used feedback with my children um, and uh, particularly with sports. So um, I have a couple, I have three boys, but um, in particular, my one, my fourteen-year-old, um, plays basketball, and we would leave the court, and you know he he's a very fired up kid. He gets very fired up. He gets frustrated. You see his emotions on his sleeve always, and so we would leave, and I would sit in the car, and I'd say, okay, now tell me what did you do? What do you think you did really well in that game today? Mm. You know, and we'll go through like, I passed the ball. I was a team player. I, you know, I made some shots, whatever it is he kind of comes up with. And then I will give him some of that feedback as well. I thought you did this, this, and this really well. And then I'll say to him, now, where do you have, is there an opportunity for you to grow or learn? Where, where maybe did you feel like you didn't shine the best? Or, you know, and he would say maybe like, well, you know, I got really mad and I threw, my, I threw the ball down at the ref, you know, like whatever. It just makes him think about how our actions show up. And after the fact, it gives, that gives an opportunity for it to just sit and marinate. And so maybe, you know, next week when you play basketball or whatever, we teach a class, you have that, um, that framework. Like, okay, I know, I know that I can, I've gone into, I'm going into this game and I'm going to really work on my attitude with the ref. I love that. Yep. Jenny, it reminds me of uh, one of the things that we know we do in, in our teacher training, especially in the 200 hours, we tell our students, hey, um, try this at home. Well, one of our students does it so well that her children, when they get in the car from basketball, they're like, O's for grows and it's opportunities for growth. And, and how yep. great is it that these kids, her kids specifically are looking for this now every single time they play and it's just making them better individuals and growing up with tougher skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think That's really what life's about, right? Yep. Growing. Growing. And we don't know what we don't know, you know? It's like when you can't see it, when you're in it all the time. So sometimes it's helpful to uncover it with somebody that cares about you and helps you see it. And these are really beautiful ways of asking these simple little questions and taking these moments to just connect and offer that space for us to uncover the things that we don't see. 
that might be getting yeah. in our way. Yeah. And and to all your listeners, I just want to say when you when you live your dharma, you begin to change the world rather than live in it. You begin to change the world rather than live in the world. And in order for that to happen, look to your closest friends and ask for feedback because it is such a gift. Hmm. It sure is. That idea, I, I mean, honestly, that was beautiful. I, I, I wish I could hug you both right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're sitting in uh, separate locations. You know, we don't even see, we can't even see each other. We're just kind of chatting like we're on the phone. And I, I just, I, I literally, I could do this all day. I really could. Um, and it never gets old. No. Mm-mm. All right. Well, Lucy, you are amazing. We love you. Um, I love you. Phenomenal. I just think that this what what a great what a great time to just talk about this and and just kind of be um, aware, it's growing awareness of life and how to change and grow and and live your truth. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Oh my God, thank you guys so much just for allowing me to have um, a platform to speak. So about something that I just love so much, but not more than I love the both of you. Oh, well, we love and adore you so much back. You really are a cha- uh, change maker. Change maker. Change maker. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Lucy, awesome. for sharing Thank you, Lucy. all your love. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So as we end this week's podcast, we just like to invite you to sit up nice and tall and take a deep breath in and a long breath out. And just close your eyes and together we repeat our closing mantra. May we bring clarity to confusion. May we create a ripple effect of peace. May we illuminate darkness with light. And may we create deep connections that link us together with loving kindness. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. In addition to these podcasts, we also offer classes, workshops, and retreats. And you can find out all about those things and more on our website, sarasvatisisters.com. Have a great day.